And welcome to season 3 of my podcast. Today, my guest is Wani Zeng, the co-founder of Effective Altruism Singapore. She was a community worker and supported children and youth from low-income families in Singapore. Hi Wani, welcome to my show. Hi Vadan, thanks for having me. Yeah, this will be really fun. I've learned a lot about effective altruism from all the meetups that have hosted. And yeah, I've heard, I've learned a lot. That's so nice to hear. Yes, it's been nice to, to have you around in some of the meetups. Yeah. So, Ani, I know what effective means and I know what altruism means. I'm curious to know what is effective altruism? That's a good question. So as you know, altruism is um, about being compassionate. It's about helping others. And effective is about what works. Um, it's about being able to do it better. So effective altruism is actually about how can we actually do good in ways that work and um, it's because we have limited resources in our lives and it's used to, useful to consider these options. And when we take a, an effective altruism approach, we combine our head and our heart. We would ask ourselves, is there any evidence that certain things that we're doing actually is helpful or is working? And that way, we're hoping that we can do the most good that we can. Um, when we try to do good. Effective altruism, in this way, it's a philosophical approach, but it actually also refers to a global community of people who cares about doing good, um, the, the most good that we can. Being an effective good person? Um, well, good person is a very big word. I think everybody generally tries to be good. Um, it's more about the actions that we can take. How can we actually do it better with more information? Um, combining the head, the thinking part of us when we try to do good. Nice. That, that sounds very inspirational. Why is it not enough to just be altruistic? That's a really good question. Um, so as mentioned just now, every one of us has limited resources, right? So resources as in we have limited time in this world and we have limited money. We have many other types of resources, but these two, let's just imagine these two types. So there are also many, many social issues in the world that we can try to do something to help. And out of these causes out there, we kind of need to make a decision on how do we want to use our limited time and money to do good. So effective altruism provides you with this approach on figuring out um, the different things that you can choose from. If you're trying to use your time to do good, we can think about our time as volunteers, but we can also think about it in the time that we spend at work. Not in a, in a general population, people spend about 80,000 hours, hours of our time in our life to work. If we can figure out how do we want to choose our careers, 
our 80,000 hours can actually be spent to do a lot more good for the world and we live in Singapore so it's a place where people have the ability to give and if we actually consider where can we choose to give the money that we give to could potentially save a lot more lives so for these reasons having very limited resources and if we want to have a bigger impact it's very useful to have effective altruism help us think about what to do and I've heard about an organization called 80,000 Hours and so basically what is that organization about? Is it related to the 80,000 Hours that you have at work? Exactly. So 80,000 Hours um, is part of the Effective Altruism community and movement. They are a team of people who are very brilliant in their minds and they try to help people answer the question of how can I use my 80,000 hours to do the most good. So they do a lot of research and they look into different causes and help people understand what can they do in choosing their own careers. I think when I grow up, my career will be just like my dad. Uh, animal welfare expert. I'll save animal, farm animals and I'll save all these different types of animals. So I think that's the career I'm going to choose. That would be awesome. And I think that along the way, it's also useful to, to learn about the different issues. Sometimes um, by the time you are, you are in the, the age that you can actually start working, you might want to check in with your dad. Um, what's the situation with farm and welfare? Because um, in different times, we might actually be faced with different developments of the issue. And what we want to do in effective altruism is not to stick to just one type of solutions, solution. We want to know that with the best available information, is it still relevant for us to, to work on it? And how can I best contribute? So I think you'll learn a lot about family welfare throughout your, your life as a kid. Yeah, I've already learned a lot from my father and I'm excited to learn more. I also learn a lot from your father. How can a person do most good? That's a really big question. So I think there are so many different ways to do good, but I'll share with you today about what effective altruism can offer. Um, so I would suggest that people try and look up and understand the concepts of effective altruism better. And from there, they would have a lot more information to decide for themselves. But what I can share with you today is um, this idea of the expansion of our moral circles. So have you heard of the expansion of a moral circle? No. So I share a little bit with you the concept. Imagine that there's a small circle on paper and you are, it's representing you. And imagine a circle that's on the outer circle that you're in and it represents people in your life, your family, your friends. And imagine a bigger circle around that, and that represents your neighbors, your community. And more and more circles are surrounding the circle that represents you. So what it means is that this expansion of our moral circle is trying to get us to imagine and care about not just people closest to our lives, but also people that are far away from us, 
who might have different needs and and um, help that they can get from others. And it also includes circles that represent non-human animals, sentient beings that can have the ability to feel pain, to suffer, and also having circles that actually represent people that are not born yet, future generations. So the idea of expanding our moral circle is relevant to how we can do the most good because we oftentimes just think about people closest to us. We don't really think about how can we help those that we've never met. And considering this idea allows us to imagine with our limited resources, is there a better way to use them? And are there paths that we haven't thought of before that can help us um, allocate our resources and time? For example, like you mentioned what your dad does, there are billions of animals in this world who are in factory farms. So we generally don't think about these animals because we never really think about that they're much in our lives. But when we consider the expansion of our moral circles, we would consider about the lives that are living, the quantity of animals, and how neglected the issue is. And from there, if we feel that we're well-placed to do something, we can then act on it. Even if this is not human animals, we might not look like them, we might not behave like them, but if we, if we believe that these are, these are beings that requires our support and help, we would then be able to do something to help them. Is that, is that confusing or is it helpful? Very helpful. I'm glad. <laughs> so, if I think of farm, farm animals a lot, like probably since I was two years old, because I've heard my parent, my dad talk, like on meetings or just talking to his friends about all the issues and I've learned a lot. So I think about them almost every day. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that unlike most other kids, you get exposed to some issues that most people don't hear about. So that's great. Um, and this idea of expanding our moral circles and trying to do the most good helps us consider um, issues that are not really easily heard of in most people's lives. How did you get involved with effective altruism? That's an interesting question as well. So it goes more than 10 years back. I read this book written by Peter Singer, his philosopher. The title of the book was uh, Is the Life You Can Save. And so when I first got in, into the book, Peter Singer is telling us about how people who live very far away from us, it's, it's a possibility for us to make a difference in some people's lives that we would never ever meet. And he's talking about the issue of global poverty and that there are many people in the world who say that um, there's nothing that I can do about an issue that's so far away. But Peter Singer's book, uh, The Life You Can Save, argues that that's not true that there are actually many, many methods that we can do without changing much about our lives, such as donating to certain organizations that are very effective, that we can actually help save other people's lives, especially people who are living in um, extreme poverty in, in parts of the world. 
Um, but there was no effective altruism back then. Um, I only heard about effective altruism from his TED talk in 2013. And from there, I started to meet more people um, online and in person who talked to, to me about effective altruism. And over time, I then started um, the community with um, like-minded people here in Singapore and uh, got to know a lot more people who are interested in effective altruism from... Wow. I mean, the first time I heard of effective altruism was actually in Singapore, like a few months ago. Since then, when we've had all the meets at my house and all of that, I've been listening and I've learned a lot about effective altruism. Yeah, I wish we're not in, we're able to meet more in person, but unfortunately due to the situation here with COVID, we can only meet very few people and when it's allowed. So I'm so glad that we got to know each other through effective altruism. When you said you had the, you heard the TED talk of Peter Singers, even I heard it like just a few days ago. That's cool. He also had a website with the, or an organization with the same name, The Life You Can Save. Exactly. So, yeah. That, that's why when you said you read that book, I, I, I was thinking, I've heard that name somewhere. That's the same one. What does Effective Altruism Singapore do and what is your role in it? That's a good question. So Effective Altruism Singapore is a community of people who are interested in doing good better. And your mom and dad are also a part of it. (laughs) And I count you as a part of it. Um, So EU Singapore organizes community meetups, events, and reading groups sometimes. We conduct fellowships and workshops for people who want to learn how they can get involved with effective altruism ideas um, and um, take action. So EAS Singapore also organized an annual conference when we can manage with having it around. Um, In these conferences, we have local and international speakers to share with us their latest work and ideas. This is helpful for the community to stay up to date with what's happening and the new initiatives. And I think people also like meeting um, like-minded people in person. Um, So we also help people with questions about if they read about effective altruism and they want to get some advice to know more people, can point them to resources and uh, research and also connect them with people who might be able to help them answer their questions better. So these are some of the ways we try to be helpful for people who are interested in the ideas or in how they can um, do good differently, do good, do good better. What can my listeners and I do to become effective altruists? That's such a practical question. Um, first of all, I think that if your listeners haven't heard of effective altruism, it's to maybe Google it or maybe go to eahub.org and check out the community that's out there. Um, doing a quick uh, search online gives people a lot of resources, including past talks as well as websites and information um, that they can learn more about effective altruism. If people actually feel ready enough, they can also think about the donation choices, 
where can they choose to donate differently that could potentially help them make more difference with the, the amount that they donate. For example, I recommend checking out givewell.org. They have a lot of uh, charities that they recommend that are very thoroughly researched and they're very cost-effective to give towards. Meaning that if you give $100 to some of these charities, you can actually help a lot more people than giving to um, some other charities that might not be um, able to be as cost-effective. And other ways that people can get involved is to learn more about the cost areas. For example, like you said just now, there's farm animal welfare, um, but there are also causes that could be relating to future generations' welfare. We call it long-termism. And when people want to think about what, what work they can choose to do, we think that this is an area that not many, many people are thinking about. Are there ways that you can ensure that future generations will be living in a world that is good to live in, that their well-being will be good? Um, and there are issues related to that. For example, um, how can we ensure that artificial intelligence is going to be developed well? that is going to serve um, the future generation's well-being. Um, and we can also think about ensuring that globally, can we maintain peace in, in the world? We can also think about climate change issues. How can we be um, trying to target things that would uh, be more impactful in the climate change space? So there are many things that people can do to learn, to give, or to try to pick a career um, to do good differently. Now I'm inspired to give to give like some money out of my pocket money to to some of the charities. I am so touched to hear that, Vedant, and I think that would be great. But do know that it's also important to save some money for yourself and take care of yourself. That something I think of every day is how we can how we can also serve the future generations better because in a lot of like places where i've just seen my parents talk about stuff like now look out look at how we have treated the earth like with poverty and climate change like you said and all these other issues how can we make like the future the world better for the for the younger generations, for the generations in front of us? Yeah, it's a really important question um, because we live in a world where there, there is just so much we don't know about the future, but um, some areas that are really exciting to look into are, as I said, example of artificial intelligence. It's potentially able to change the way we live by so much, but we don't know whether we're developing it in a good way. So if there are researchers and policymakers looking at the way that we are developing AI technologies, that is one potential area that they can make a difference for the future. Some other areas are, as you know, we're living in the midst of a pandem pandemic now. And while the pandemic is very serious for the whole world, and it's been more than a year and a half, we are also worried about can would we be getting a worse biological pandemic in the future. 
So there are many many issues that one can work on to ensure that in the future we have less serious issues、um, that can impact the world very negatively happening. I'm feeling sad. Oh, don't be for, for all the for everyone that's suffering all of this. Yes, it's it's a、um, very tough time, and I think we're very lucky where we are.、Um, and it's very important for also to your listeners that if they are struggling, be be we need to take care of our own selves, our mental health and well being、um, is a priority. In order to be well, then we can actually do good、um, for others. So I hope that people would remember that as well. That mental health for oneself is also very important. Dear listeners, the the links to GiveWell dot org and EAHub dot org will be there in the show notes. I have heard that you have backpacked across many countries. Can you share your experiences? Oh, that was、uh, such a while ago. Sure, I'd be excited to share.、Um, speaking of it now, it seems very surreal. But that was pre-COVID. I was very lucky to be able to travel around Southeast Asia and parts of South Asia for a period of time. And、um, the countries that I visited are quite different culturally、um, from Singapore. Although Singapore is in Southeast Asia, I've always felt that the region looks very different, and I've been very curious. So when I travelled, I took the bus, I took the trains, and I met many different types of people in the region, and they lived many many different types of lives. But、um, I found something、uh, very interesting, which is that. Despite different languages and religions and ethnicities and cultures,、um, we all actually have、um, a lot more common in our lives as humans. So that was a very memorable trip, and I visited a lot of.、Um... Even when I moved to Singapore with my parents, we were thinking of going all around Southeast Asia, like Indonesia and Thailand and. And Malaysia and all of those places, but none of it ever happened because、yeah. of COVID. Yeah, it's it's、uh, you moved here in a very、um, interesting period where life looks very different. I was very lucky to visit Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos,、um, Myanmar, and、um, as well as India and Nepal. So these are very, very different places, but very, very interesting. Yeah, I've been to Cambodia before. Oh, did you see the Angkor Wat? I did. It's so huge. Yeah, very huge. It's incredible that people used to be able to build that. Yeah, even now we can't build things like that. I mean, we can, but not out of stone. It yeah, the engineering is something that I cannot fathom. Yeah, and and like the carving that they use, that's really nice. It is like all the, like all the, all the statues of the gods and all of that. 
It's really fascinating. It is, and it's a bit of a shame that it was destroyed a little during the Khmer Rouge regime.、Um, and I think that that part, luckily, they were able to preserve a lot of the Angkor Wat、um, area and, and temples. So I'm so glad that we are still able to appreciate the engineering from that time. I went there like probably like yeah when I was two years old.、Huh. And I can remember. It was really nice. I was sitting on my dad's shoulder and using his head as a table for for mangoes and watermelons. That's so cute. Yeah, it was. What did you want to be as a child? I haven't been asked the question for so long. I think people don't really talk about the childhood ambition. So let me think. I think I wanted to be a teacher because I had a lot of、uh, role models, and I think I admired my teachers. So I can remember that when I was a child, I would play pretend do pretend play with my sister and make her listen to me. Like I'm the teacher, <laughs> um, but um, she's actually a teacher now, and I'm not. Yep. Even I was thinking of being a teacher, but then I I like kept thinking what teacher I wanted to be, and I didn't find out. So I just thought I'll come back to it later. Yeah, you still have a long way ahead and many types、um, of careers. Not too long. Mm, compared to me, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you so much, Vedan, for inviting me. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. Yeah, this was so fun. I learned a lot about effective altruism, and you're an inspiration to me. <laughs> Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedan, to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen at leisure on your phone and get notified about future episodes, subscribe by searching for Curious Vedant wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant dot com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. Don't forget to rate and leave comments.